Hey, oh, Luke here with the Where We're Going podcast. Today, I want to talk about something that is very near and dear to my heart. It is something that has completely transformed my life. I cannot overstate how much this principle has completely transformed me and made me into a completely different person where when things would go wrong before I would panic and catastrophize and struggle to get through it and now I know how to handle difficult situations and even to thrive through them. It's called learned optimism and it is just an amazing principle but I want to start today with the story of the night that I almost lost my wife and unborn daughter. Um, It was a really scary experience, but it proved to be just the right thing to help me to to learn and to grow. And although it was hard at the time, I don't think that if I could go back, I don't think that I would change what, how, uh, how it happened. Um, It was one of the most difficult experiences, but also a major defining moment in who I am today. So I was at work, my wife was 33 weeks pregnant and I was at work and I got a call and she'd had a checkup and things weren't quite looking right. And she was really struggling and she tried to tell me that I should have just gone to school. I was in grad school at the time and I was like, no, absolutely not. I immediately left, met her at the hospital and um, they had been running some tests and they had to run some more tests and they continued to run tests. And eventually they came to us and they said, we have to send you to a different hospital that has a, what's called a NICU, a neonatal intensive care unit. Because the baby was so young, um, the hospital that we were at couldn't have, wouldn't have been able to care for the baby had the baby, if the baby had had to be born then. So we were both kind of just shocked at this. Um, And she had to go in an ambulance because of the risk. Um, If she... Uh, had gone, you know, to a certain point with her blood pressure and things, she, she could have died. And so we were both understandably very scared for her and for our daughter, our unborn daughter. And uh, so I went home and I packed up. She took the ambulance to the hospital and I got everything that was needed and met her over there at the hospital. And they, they basically said, yeah, unless you, unless you have this baby tonight, we got to have the baby tonight or, or you could lose your life. And, uh, and it was still a risky situation. It was still something that was really difficult for us to, for us to go through. And the baby was still so small that we were, we were worried about her health too. And so right in the middle of this, right around this time, I had learned about this thing called learned optimism. And so what, well, what is learned optimism, right? Um, first to understand it, you have to understand what learned pessimism is, right? Learned pessimism is the idea that things, when things go wrong, they're your fault, they're unchangeable, and they mean that your entire life is a mess. It's basically the way that you explain how things are in your life when things go wrong, right? There's a man named Martin Seligman, a great researcher who um, wrote a book called Learned Optimism, who I had actually, uh, I read his book right before all of this, these things had been happening with, with my wife and unborn daughter at the time. And um, this book had uh, began to transform my life as I had been reading it and, and ended up would be uh, really transformative throughout this experience. Um, Martin Seligman says one of his quotes, he says, some people can put their troubles neatly into a box and go about their lives even when one important aspect of it, their job, for example, or their love life is suffering. Others bleed all over everything. They catastrophize. When one thread of their lives snaps, the whole fabric unravels. Close quote. 
And learn optimism is the opposite of this though. It's altering the way that you talk with yourselves so that you understand the truth about what you experience. So rather than beating yourself up and thinking life is unchangeable and it's your fault, it's never gonna change, it's everything is bad when things go wrong, it's recognizing that it's not as bad as you may think and that you can change. And there's a really powerful pattern that you can use to follow this. So how might this work in real life? So, so let's say you fail a test. You might think three things about yourself. If your explanatory style is pessimistic, you might think, oh, I'm such an idiot. I just, I'm, I'm just not smart. Or you might think I'll never be smart or graduate and get a good job. I'm going to have to work at McDonald's the rest of my life. Or you might think my life is such a mess. I, I just get everything wrong. Right. But learned optimism is recognizing the truth of that situation, that things are changeable that you're not an idiot. The test was just really hard. And, you know, maybe you recognize that you just didn't have as much time to study because you had a big project due the day before. Or maybe you think back five to 10 years and realize that you have come really far, especially to get into college in the first place and to this tough program you might be in. You might also realize that your life isn't over because you failed the test. And you, as you look out and look at the big picture, you realize you're acing most of your classes. This is just kind of a one-off thing. Um, so where does, where does this come from? My background with it, my experience with it is I, um, you know, I've struggled with various levels of, of mental health over the years. And I was talking with my wife, Emily, and she recommended I learned into, uh, I look into learn optimism. Um, she is a public health major and has studied various things. And she remembered like one little tidbit from possibly one slide in one class once about it and just mentioned it. So I looked it up, got the book and started reading it and was just amazed at what I discovered. The research in the book is really fascinating. So Martin Seligman and his team did research on dogs. So they had these dogs and they, and this was again, back when things were um, a little bit less cool in the researching world, they did some things that, you know, maybe weren't um, as, as good that they, <laughs> they shouldn't have been doing. Um, but it, you know, kind of is what it is. Um, but they, they were doing some research on these dogs and they were, uh, they had these sets of dogs and the dogs were given a shock that they couldn't control. They, they couldn't stop the shock, right? That was one group of dogs. The other group, they could control the shock, right? And so they had these two dogs and they did, they did this multiple times to kind of sort of train them in this, this is what's going on here. And then afterward, they put the dogs in one side of a box. So imagine a box and it's got two sides of it and there's a wall in the middle a low, like a low wall that the dog could jump over and they put the dog on one side and the side that they put the dog on would give the dog a shock, right? I think there were some like metal bars at the bottom of the cage or, or, or the box or whatever. And those metal bars would, would do a light shock. And they found that the dogs that could control the shocks the first time would just jump over the wall. They knew, okay, I can just jump over this. I can get away from this, right? But the dogs that couldn't control the shocks the first time, who had learned that nothing they could do could change their outcome, stayed put. They just sat there, even though this time they could just jump over the wall and avoid the shocks. They had learned helplessness. Seligman and his team then picked up those dogs that had had learned helplessness and moved their legs to get them away from the shocks over the, over the low wall to show them that it was possible. And eventually those dogs actually began to jump away from the shocks on their own. So they taught the dog learned helplessness, but they also were able to teach them learned optimism, that they could control their situation. As Martin 
Seligman himself says, after seven years of experiments, it was clear to us that the remarkable attribute of resilience in the face of defeat need not remain a mystery. It was not an inborn trait. It could be acquired. Close quote. So there's a lot of research on why. Um, We've talked about what learned optimism is. And now we're going to talk about why. And I'm going to finish the story that I started earlier. So there's a lot of research on it. And Seligman goes into it in his book, not just the research on the dogs, but on how it affects different aspects of life, from politics to families to even sales. Um, There's a test that you can take in the book that tells you if your explanatory style is optimistic or pessimistic. And they they did this with insurance sales agents. And they found that those sales agents who scored high for optimism sold up to 88% more insurance than others who had a less optimistic outlook on life. So it can have dramatic effects on your success, but it can also decrease stress, increase resilience, improve your motivation, and increase your ability to, tr- to thrive under pressure. And I've seen this firsthand. Back to that experience with um, my wife and our, our daughter, um, that night we did end up having our little girl, Lila. She was only just a little over three pounds. And we were terrified. We were absolutely terrified. The danger was after that point kind of over with my wife, although the recovery definitely is is not easy from having a a C-section. But now the focus was on mostly on our daughter. Um, She was so young that she was at risk for getting an infection and all of these different things. And they had to have her in this neonatal intensive care unit that I mentioned earlier. And, um, and we were scared. She was, she was little. I remember putting my hand on her and she was about as big as my hand and, um, maybe a little bit bigger than that. And we, there were a couple of times where they said, oh, this different level is indicating she might have an infection. And, and we didn't really know exactly what was going on or, or what we were doing. Um, they had to put her under these lights for this thing called bilirubin. And they had to do all these different tests. She had to have oxygen on her face. She had to have an IV in her at all times. And um, it was really scary. And it was really, really hard. But having learned from learned optimism and knowing what the book taught, I started to think about how it applied to our situation that we were in right then. I started to realize that it wasn't permanent. I look back on, looked back on other things that I had experienced in my life and I realized that those things, even though I thought that they would never end at the time, they did end and they were over and this would end too. And I thought ahead, okay, four weeks from now or, or a month from now or even a year from now, this is going to end. We're, we're going to get through this one way or another. Um, I also looked at how it wasn't either one of our faults. And how we still had so much to be grateful for in our lives. So much was still going well for, for us. And as I did this, the situation got better. I started to realize it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. And, 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 and both of us started to understand and, and started to see that we, we could get through this. And not only that, but we could thrive through it. Um, it of course, took a couple of days, a few days, maybe even a week or more to kind of get to this point. Um, but, but we did get there to the point where we felt like we could, we could do this. Um, 
and again, there was a little bit of us that felt like we couldn't. That's always how these things go. But I began to look at what we could change, what we could focus on. There was another book called QBQ, Question Behind the Question, um, kind of a strange little book, but it's also very life-changing that helped with that. I'll do more on that in another episode, but um, we focused on what we could change and we made sure that we could we would spend as much time with our daughter as we possibly could. And she surprised everybody, our daughter did, and she came home rather quickly for how how little she was. And she grew exceptionally well, and she's now a healthy and energetic six-year-old, albeit she's a little bit picky. But we, we still love her to death. She, she is just so amazing. So this, this story has just this amazing, happy ending. And, and I, I, I recognize that I have so much to be grateful for, and there are so many others that, that go through so much worse and that, that things may not end up as, as they wish. But I will I can confidently say that learned optimism can still help even in those situations. Um, as Martin Seligman says, while you can't control your experiences, you can control your explanations, close quote. So we've talked about what learned optimism is. We've talked about why it is so important, how it can change your life. Now let's talk about how you can apply it in your life. So another quote from Optimi- uh, uh, from Seligman that I wanted to share, he says, first, you learn to recognize the automatic thoughts fitting, flitting through your consciousness at the times you feel worst. Second, you learn to dispute the automatic thoughts by marshalling contrary evidence. Third, you learn to make different explanations called reattributions and use them to dispute your automatic thoughts. Fourth, you learn how to distract yourself from depressing thoughts. And fifth, you learn to recognize and question the depression-sowing assumptions governing so much of what you do, close quote. And so if that sounds complicated or whatever, you just need to break it down into this A, B, C, D, E method. Now, this method actually came from someone, a man named Albert Ellis. So I want to give him credit for that. Um, and the A, B, C, D that, that stands for adversity, belief, consequence, disputation, and energization. And you go through each of these steps one at a time to have a uh, learned optimism or, or to develop learned optimism. So the way that I did it when I first learned about it is I just wrote it down in a note on my phone. The way that book teaches it is you write down your adversity, your belief, and your consequence first. That's so that you can start to recognize your explanatory style, the way that you explain how things go on in your life. Um, so you might like, say you get pulled over or whatever, and of course that sucks, but you might write in your note on your phone, you say, oh, this is my learned optimism note or my resilience note. You write, what's the adversity? You you got pulled over. What's the belief? What do you, what do you believe about that situation? What do you believe it means about you? You might believe, oh, my day is ruined or I'm just such a terrible person because I can't stop speeding. Maybe you have a lot of tickets or you know, whatever else it might be. You might think it's permanent. You might think, oh, this is unchangeable. Um, and then you write the consequence. You write about how that belief makes you feel. And a lot of the time, I'll bet it doesn't make you feel good. And I know that because I've been through this. I've done this. I did this for a few weeks right after I first read the book. And so you just focus on those first three. Adversity, what happened? Belief, what do I believe about this situation, about myself, and about the world around me because of this 
adversity and the consequence. How do those beliefs make me feel? And what's my outlook ahead? Then you get into disputation and energization. And disputation is where, and there's multiple different methods of doing it in the book, but the basic idea is that you use truth to identify why the situation is not permanent, personal, and pervasive. Why it's not permanent, why you're not stuck that way, why it's not completely your fault, and why it's not pervasive. Why it doesn't mean that your entire life is a mess. That's the disputation step, the D in A, B, C, D, E. And then there's energization. You write, it's basically um, the C again. You write about how you feel after the the disputation and how you recognize the truth of the situation. So I did the first three for a while, adversity, belief, consequence, and then I added the second two onto whatever might go on in life. And so you write it down and I would keep it on a note and I would write it out on that note for a few weeks and or even months or even up to a year. I did this for, I don't even remember how long exactly I did it, but it became second nature. And now when things go wrong, I kind of just do it without thinking about it. My explanatory style has become optimistic. Um, let's look at a couple examples so that you might see how this works in real life. So let's say you get dumped, right? So the adversity is you get dumped. Your belief might be, I'm just such a worthless person or I'm never going to find love. I'm, I'm just always going to get dumped because I'm not worth it. And oh, my life is falling apart, right? And the consequence of that is you're going to feel awful about yourself. You're going to be, you're going to be hard on yourself. You're not going to have motivation to, to keep going and to keep trying dating or whatever. And then, um, but then you get into the disputation and you start to look at the evidence and you start to realize that, well, just because this has gone, this relationship has failed doesn't mean all relationships have failed. And then you also look at it and you realize like, well, I mean, it's not entirely my fault because this other person, you know, it, it didn't work out because of them too. And then you also start to look at what you can change about the situation and you realize I can become a better person. I can learn from this. This is just information that I can use to have a better relationship in the future. And then energization, of course, you look at that and you realize all of those things provide massive motivation to actually get up and to go and change your life and to make improvements. And of course, this none of this is to say that you shouldn't suffer when things go wrong, that you shouldn't say, um, and maybe suffer isn't the right word. I, I don't think you should suffer, actually. I, I, it's not to say that you can't be sad at all or that you should just immediately go into this when things go wrong. Of course, there are things that are completely understandable that they're just going to be hard, especially at first, right? But you go through those emotions and let them have their time and then you get to this, right? Um, but eventually you'll start to realize, you'll start to get to the point that it's like, I don't have to spend as long as I thought in these emotions, right? Let's go over another one. Let's go over losing your job. So losing your job, that's something that I've actually experienced as well. I lost my job at one point and um, it's it's terrifying and it is really easy to beat yourself up when you're when you're in that situation. And so of course the adversity is you've lost your job. The belief can be a lot of different things. You might believe, oh, I'm unemployable. I'll never make it. I'm, I'm, I'm just stuck this way. Um, you might believe again, that all aspects of your life are just, just a mess. And, uh, and this means that you can't have fun or can't be happy or, or, or whatever it is. Um, I remember the day, the day that I got let go from my job, um, was the day before Valentine's day, five years ago, actually. 
and um and then valentine's day happened and uh, i think we had like a heart-shaped pizza that night or whatever and i was still like sad i was still kind of reeling from the experience but i thought about it and i was like you know i can i can still sit here and enjoy this this part of my life the financial work part of my life doesn't have to mean that i can't have a good time with my family um, and so that was part of the disputation, right? Of course, the consequence of all of those things is you feel down on yourself and it, it can be a struggle to not want to go look for other jobs because you're down on yourself. But you need to get over these feelings because one, the only way to get into back into the workforce and, and back into earning money is by um, disputing those negative thoughts and working and, and getting into, you know, applying for jobs and things. And so you might dispute that with, you know, oh, I have all, I do have all of these skills still. And, or um, you might look at, like in my case, you might look at the company you were working for and you might realize, I just got out of a toxic workplace. Um, or there may be any number of things that you use to dispute those negative thoughts that you are having. And then there's energization, of course. For me, it was, I realized I have so much else to focus on. I, I was lear- I was just getting into writing at the time and I um, had an opportunity for some entrepreneurship things that I was working on, I was preparing for. And, um, and it was just amazing as I could kind of turn from what was going wrong and turn to what was going right. And, and it was just remarkable. Um, so let's conclude here to recap the what, the why, and the how of learned optimism. So what is learned optimism? What you believe about what you experience and the way you talk to yourself determines your happiness. And it can be changed. If you have a negative outlook and you don't feel like you're very resilient, you can change that. There are multiple books, not just Seligman's, that teach that this and everything about yourself really is changeable. The why. Why is learned optimism so powerful? Essentially for me, it brings happiness and resilience. And the more you do it, the better you get at disputing those negative thoughts and coming out on top, coming out even better when things go wrong to the point where you almost look forward to a challenge because you know that that is going to make you grow like crazy. And how? How can you take advantage of these principles? The ABCDE method. Write down the adversity, your belief about yourself and about the situation, about everything around you, look at the consequences of those beliefs that you have, dispute the beliefs with truth about why it's not personal, permanent, or pervasive, and then look at how that energizes you. Um, I've been following this, again, it's been probably five or six years that I've been doing this, and multiple books have reinforced this idea as well. The Obstacle is the Way is another great book to look into if you're curious about this. But of course, first, I would recommend starting with Learn Optimism. But this is absolutely a life-changing thing. And I am confident that as you apply these principles, you are going to see greater resilience, greater happiness, and even greater success as you are able to not just get through the difficult experiences in life, but thrive because of them.